I would like to invite you with me to just take a deep breath. We have had a few weeks. Phil Willauer, Janice Mulchin, Roger Kirk, and then Joe. You probably can't see the sticks that I've got in, the, in, the, in, in my pants that are holding me up this morning. If I were to have chosen a passage for us to reflect on this morning, it certainly would not have been the gospel according to Matthew in this particular piece from the Sermon on the Mount in his gospel. If I was at liberty to abandon the appointed readings and to choose a passage of scripture that suited the battered hearts of a majority of the long and longest serving members of St. Albans Church this morning, including the heart of staff member Charles Porter, I'd have chosen Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what were you discussing together as you walked along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And yet he was walking with them in the midst of that very difficult journey. The homily might then follow with the story about the footprints. You know the story about the footprints? Anybody not know the story about the footprints? You, was that a hand? You don't know the story about the footprints? The story about the footprints is there's a person walking along the sand and they're having, they're, they're just, everything's, everything's, everything's fantastic. Um, and they look behind and they see two footprints in the sand. But then as their life continues, they keep on walking through the sand and life gets really hard. And they look back and they see only one footprint in the sand, set of footprints in the sand. And then they have a moment when they decide to ask God, where are you in my very difficult times? There's only one set of footprints in the sand. And God says, Julie, those were all the times that I was carrying you. That's the, that's the footprints in the sand. Story And so because I have to, 
because I'm because I'm compelled as a preacher in the Episcopal Church to stick with the lectionary. Why? Why? Well, because. Well, a longer a longer answer could be we don't ever throw out the baby with the bathwater when it comes to the richness of our tradition. And so we're confronted with a beautiful text from Isaiah today that asks us what our worship is really about. And then we're confronted with with a Jesus in the gospel according to Matthew who says, unless your sin exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, unless your righteousness, excuse me, exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So with a nod to with a nod to sin and with a nod to righteousness, I'm going to say a couple of things about both of those. Okay? An interesting thing about the word sin in biblical Hebrew is that the root of the word is, could be transliterated hate. Chata, chat, hate. Chata is, is the word. And it's a term from archery. And to chata means to miss the mark. When they were training the tribe of, of Benjamin to use slingshots. The Hebrews were said to be so good that they could look at the hair on someone's head and not chata. The book of Proverbs teaches us not to make hasty decisions because when we do, we are likely to chata our destination. Miss our destination. So that's my piece on sin. My piece on, on righteousness is a little more difficult. In the sense that being right... can be a precarious place to be. 20 some years ago, I heard a poem by the great poet Yehuda Amakai. He's an Israeli poet whose work has been translated into over 40 languages. He was a secular poet and this is a poem that he wrote that's about righteousness. From the place where we are right, flowers will never grow in the spring. 
The place where we are right is hard and trampled like a yard. But doubts and loves dig up the world like a mole, a plow, and a whisper will be heard in the place where the ruined house once stood. If we follow along with our blessed friend St. Matthew for long enough, eventually we get to chapter 25. Now, should I ask another question of the congregation? Does anybody know Matthew 25? Joe? Joe, tell us, Joe. You gotta, st you gotta, you gotta tell us. There you go. Where were you? You get extra credit. You get extra credit. You are, you are right. You are right. You know that story. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Matthew eventually gets to that place where being right comes full circle to the prophet Isaiah and the fast that God chooses, which is a, a righteousness that exceeds that of well, the scribes and the Pharisees, but but maybe the Episcopalians or the Presbyterians or the comparison isn't the comparison isn't helpful. What's important is the fast that we choose, which is being in solidarity with people who are hungry and lonely and hurting, which is a good thing for all of us this morning. And it is a call to the church as we move a couple of weeks from now into the holy season of Lent. As a relatively exhausted preacher this morning, I do offer this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.